Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. Tony, Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan named their baby Archie. Do you like that? Tony Kornheiser, I prefer Jughead. Yeah, you're skewing older. I know. I, mean, I thought... I thought it was going to be, I thought that was short for Archibald, which seems sort of British to me, right. but apparently not. I mean, I'm just going to say that for people of a certain age in America, like you and me, mm -hmm. Archie is either a comic book character or Archie Bunker. Now, you're not That's burdened right. by that in Britain because they don't know no. anything about the comic book or Archie no. Bunker, and they don't know about Archie Manning, so you're not going to put an 18 jersey on the kid either. But Archie, eh, I don't know. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls, in today's episode... The Celtics could go out, Georgia loading up its schedule, and Brian Windhorst joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with the complete laydown of the Philadelphia 76ers last Ooh. night, losing by 36 in Toronto. Ben Simmons, who has been a ghost in this series, had seven points. J.J. Redick had three. And Joel Embiid, who may as well wear a hospital gown, had 13 points and eight turnovers. While leaving the court, Embiid reportedly told Raptors mascot Drake, quote, I'll be back for game seven, unquote. Wilbon, is that how you see it? You know, Tony, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Toronto in the series, but winning game seven at home. And yeah, this is what happens. We see this year after year, decade after decade. One team gets embarrassed, particularly if it happens on the road, and they got to go back to Philly where their people are just going to come to their homes and boo them, and they're going to get angry, and they're going to have resolve, and they're going to listen to the coach, and they're going to study video, yeah. and they're going to come out, and they're going to play, and they're probably going to beat Toronto by double digits, and they'll go back to game seven. Mascot named Drake, you, I mean, you are, I mean, just leaning to get a beat down when you... Talk about Drake that way. Isn't he wow. on the sidelines all the time? You called him a mascot. What, what? I'm sorry. Is he like part, he's like part he's of the team, right? He's a furry little animal no, and not the best-selling artist in the world. I meant Whoa. it in the best sense. Only the best Man. sense. Um, and you might be right about Philadelphia. You might be. I just want to talk about Kawhi Leonard for a second. Because yeah. he's been the star of this series. They didn't yes. need a lot of scoring last night. So we got 21 points. But he also got 13 rebounds. When he guards Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons doesn't score. When he moves over to Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler doesn't score. That guy has been absolutely great. And I know, Mike, that you've said a number of times that you think that the starting five on Philadelphia is the best starting five in basketball. They got no, 60 points. Best, other than Golden 60 State. 60 points last night. And yeah. Toronto starters got 93. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's so hard to make the case, even if Philadelphia wins six. It's so hard to make the case for seven, right? It's hard. And no, Toronto's going to win. I don't know that it's hard to make the case. Tony, these series change. The personality switches wildly. You know, there's no particular momentum. I, I, I don't know. Look, Philadelphia stunk last night. They we, did. That conclusion, everybody's already drawn. But I don't know that I, I want to say this about it. Drake. Drake was doing this. You know, and making fun of Embiid, and I did he like was. that. I did like he that. <laughs> he was. Tony, we've got the biggest game and the biggest NBA storyline playing out just across, well, that other bridge across the bay where the defending champions once again are being pushed into a corner by the Houston Rockets. We're bombarded annually with a stat about 82% of Game 5 winners going on to win a seven-game series. The Warriors lost game five a year ago, but took six and seven. So, Tony, do you see history repeating itself, or are the dubs in a must-win tonight? So, like, I'm not interested at all in last year unless you tell me 
you know, that that somebody's going to get injured and not be able to play in six and seven, which is what happened last year. So I'm not interested in that. Of course, this is a must game. You're looking at Golden State, a team that you're you're expecting them to then go on the road and win at home when they would have lost both at home and on the road, right? I mean, so there would be no reason to believe that. I think this is an absolute must win for Golden State, and I think you do too. I do too, Tony. And, and, and throw in the emotional part of this, which is a huge story here, of Oracle, the arena. I mean, the home, like the last old school arena in basketball. And the players love it. The fans love it. There's a love affair between what happens there and the team. And why are they leaving? It, they, why are they leaving? Oh, okay. The answer to all your tour, questions I went on a money. tour yesterday, by the way. There's nothing like that place, the new one. There's nothing like it. But anyway... The Warriors have to win, Tony. They can't count on going to Houston on... on, They took you on a tour? Yes. Did you sign up for seats? Maybe. Like a personal seat license situation? That means I might be near that bridge all the time. Our friend Frank Isola writes in The Athletic that LeBron James is not only good with Tyron Lue coaching the Lakers. He's also okay if Lue brings Tom Thibodeau along to be a defensive specialist. Well, but LeBron was openly criticized last season for not playing any defense. Yeah. Do you think he'll want the grind of playing for a maniac like Thibodeau? <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not agreeing that Thibodeau's a maniac. Well, I love Tom. Um, no. No, LeBron ain't going to want to play for Tibbs. I mean, look, I hear from great former players all the time. I mean, the greatest of them. The only thing close to a criticism they have of LeBron is he never been coached hard. That's what they say, open, yeah. openly. Because he doesn't want to be coached. Yeah, don't want it. One, one icon, I won't mention a name, says LeBron has never submitted to hard coaching. No, he doesn't want to be coached. That's what the greatest players of all time believe. Right. Thibodeau coaches hard, baby. Right. He coaches hard. And LeBron will think that defensive game plan that Tibbs draws up, it'll be good for the others. But I can't see him. I, no, I can't see him. I think it'd be good if he did it. I think it'd be great. I think it would enhance what LeBron already does. But I don't see that. No, I agree with you 100% that if you bring in Tom Thibodeau, LeBron says, coach them. Don't coach me. I'm LeBron <laughs> James. Right. I, I, don't, I don't get coached by you or anybody else. <laughs> I'm wondering why Thibodeau would do that. He's a head coach. I don't really understand. I mean, does he want to be in the seat if they fire Tyron Lue and then LeBron won't listen to him anyway? I, it, to me, sit down, wait for another head coaching job somewhere. In the meantime... Do three times a week on the jump or PTI. You know, that's all you have to do. I I don't really get this. I don't. Tony, I get how it sounds good. But then when you go back to it and just ask yourself, okay, how many coaches have really had a little something, something, something with LeBron and survived it? I would say Tim Lou's the only one. The only? No, he doesn't take any coaching. He doesn't want coaching. We're 118 days from the start of the college football season, but. It's never too early for breaking schedule news. Straight from the SEC of all places, Georgia is leading the way to upgrade the soft underbelly of the SEC non-conference schedule. Kirby Smart and the dogs are going to get ambitious by replacing the Samfords of the world with the likes of Oklahoma, Clemson, and Texas. Tony, wise move by Smart to schedule this many non-conference heavyweights? I don't know if it's wise. I think it's a very, very good move. They want three powerful non-conference opponents. In 2015, before Smart got there, they had Louisiana, Monroe, Southern, and Georgia Southern. So they had the Southerns 
completely covered. Here's, I think, the long-range thinking. I think that the college playoff will eventually go to eight, and then you're going to have to include some non-conference winners, right? And so you look at how do you choose them, and maybe you look at how basketball chooses them, that they look at strength of schedule, and so Kirby Smart would be positioning a really great program like Georgia into a two-loss and in situation, right? That. That's got to yeah. be his thinking. The, the, the key here is you can sustain two losses and there will yeah. regularly be, particularly from the SEC. Because let's face it, their conference schedule is so difficult. Yeah. They always get the benefit of the doubt with whoever's in that room. And so now you say, okay, they got two losses, so what? They played Oklahoma. They played Texas. You know, UCLA. Notre they Dame. played Texas. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and home and home, not neutrals. Not we play at the Mercedes Benz no, not Atlanta at Stadium. No. You play on campus. Yeah. You play in Austin. You play in Norman. There's another part to this, Mike. It should work. College attendance has actually gone down seven of the last eight years. So if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, and you schedule the Citadel, you know, you don't fill the gym. So this is a way to, to make money. They got to make money. Yeah, but Tony. But you better keep winning because oh, yeah. they'll get rid of you if it backfires. Oh, sure, sure. Mike Fires threw the second no-hitter of his career last night as Oakland beat Cincinnati 2-0. Fires needed 131 pitches and was bailed out, <clears throat> excuse me, bailed out by center fielder Ramon Laureano going over the wall to bring back a homer in the sixth inning. Fires' career record is 57-58. and 58. His ERA is 4-11. That's the third worst of any pitcher ever with multiple no-hitters. Wilbon, do you think that these numbers diminish Fire's accomplishment in any way? I don't know the numbers. I don't care about the numbers. I heard you just say them. You know, I know there's a geek factor and a certain percentage of people who care about baseball care only about the numbers. But thankfully, to this day, to this point, that number's still low. People hear no-hitter and their ears perk up, particularly the non-geeks. So, no, and every no-hitter is supported by, at some point, almost everyone, by great defense. Was this Mark That's Burley right. of the White Sox when he That's did that right. perfect game? He had a guy make a much better catch than that behind him to preserve a perfect game. So, no, I don't believe any of that. No, I agree with that. And, I mean, as Earl Weaver always said, momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher, which gives yeah. you the opportunity. Whenever you get out on the mound, you can have a great game. It doesn't matter what you did in your last start. It no, doesn't matter what right. you did in your next start. Homer Bailey has multiple no-hitters. His record at the moment, I think, is 80 and 90. The greatest no-hitter of all time was Don Larson. In, in 1956 in the World Series. And his career record is 81 and 91. Guys like Roger Clemens never had a no-hitter. Greg Maddox, I don't think, ever had a no-hitter. Steve Carlton never had a no-hitter. So the magic is still a no-hitter. There's been 300 of them. And, and your numbers to that point don't mean anything. They don't matter. They don't. And your subsequent numbers don't matter. You had a no-no. By the way, have you ever seen a no-hitter in person? Uh, Nolan Ryan saw it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've seen like seven one-hitters. I don't have a no-no. That game was 15 miles away, but, you know. No, you're, not gonna, you're not going to a baseball game in Oakland. You're going to stay out all night and drink. Probably not. Let's take a break. Coming up, is this the last run of the Warriors as we know them? We're going to ask Brian Windhorst. And the Celtics could go out tonight. So will they? Seven no-hitters for Nolan. Seven. We got to ask Windhorse. Windhorse had a ticket last night. Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. And Tic Tac Mints. It's time to open up. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. 
Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Let's get back into tonight's Rockets-Warriors game with our great friend Brian Windhorst. Brian, you wrote that both teams are absolutely convinced they're going to win. I get the Warriors, but why are the Rockets so particularly confident? They just believe in math, Tony. They believe that their style of play will ultimately add up. And they're sitting here looking at this series and they're going, look at all of these minutes that the Warrior starters are playing. They're just so much taxing those frontline guys. And right now, Eric Gordon is outplaying Clay Thompson. And right now, P.J. Tucker is outplaying Draymond Green. I did not think that would be the case over multiple games. And the Rockets think that they have the momentum on their side. I could look at it the exact opposite and say, Steph Curry's never missed this many threes in four consecutive playoff games. He's bound to hit a bunch in a row. Clay Thompson, the same thing. So both sides could sit here and say, we leak the the trend is in our favor. And Tony, don't forget, Houston figures they actually won last year whenever Chris Paul was on the floor, so they think they have that working for them as well. Draymond Green, as you know, Brian, says the Warriors can fix what's wrong. They have answers to their problems. Do you think it's that simple a fix? Well, they're looking at all of the hustle points, basically, that P.J. Tucker is creating. And they say it's just a matter of matching P.J. Tucker's effort level. And that's why Draymond is so confident in saying it, Michael, because he thinks he's the guy who can slow him down and solve him. They haven't been able to do it, though. This is what P.J. Tucker does. It's why he's in the league, his ability to create those extra possessions. And really, the rebounding has been the tail of the, of the series. The team that's won the rebounding battle has won the game. And that's an old-school thing to say for two new-age teams that rely on shooting and possessions and, and you know, overall, uh, you know, three-pointers. But it's been old-school, old-fashioned, who gets the loose ball that has been the difference. And I expect tonight that that will be something something that both teams will be talking about in the minutes leading up to the tip-off. Remember game one, right after game one, there was all that stuff about the officiating, completely unfair to Houston, and that disappeared quickly. Are we now to believe that everything's okay with officiating? We're never going to hear from this again. Well, I'm very happy that both sides have backed it off a lot. There's been a little bit of uh, of complaining. We haven't seen any of the recent audits that Daryl Morey's put together. I don't know if uh, on Daryl Morey's audit, the charge that James Harden got away with at the end of Game 4 was turned into the league. I think he was happy with the way that no call went the Rockets' favor. Um, so I've been, I've been relieved that hasn't been so much officiating. Also, the officials have done a good job. There was a moment in the last year, actually a couple of moments, where two players got nosed nose with each other. Draymond Green at one point gave a little shove to Chris Paul and the officials, you know, had uh, discretion. They didn't call double technicals. They let it go. So I think in addition to the teams, the officials are coming in a little more open-minded. But I'm going to tell you guys, this is game five. Scott Foster is in the rotation. I think we will see him again if this gets to, to, to game seven. So just keep that in mind for that little, uh, that little uh, you know, thing that's out there. Um, Brian, I'm going to expand this a little bit and, and, and look forward. Um, you know, because you're chronicling it already, free agency is just around the corner. Uh, the Warriors, because of Kevin Durant, are neck deep in this. Do you see this possibly as 
the Warriors' last run as we know this team? Oh, you want me just to go ahead and say it, Michael? You want me to go t- so far as to say that tonight could be the last game in Oracle Arena for Kevin Durant as a Warrior? I was just leading you in that direction a little Oracle bit. Arena for the Warriors. Um, you know, look, look, I'm just going to take you back to 2010, where it was a 2-2 series, and the favored number one seed Cavs were playing the underdog number four seed Boston Celtics. LeBron laid a, dug, a dud in game five, and that was the last game LeBron played as a Cav, at least in that run. He came back later. Uh, so my eyes are wide open to what the uncertainty of the offseason would be. I don't think that anybody wearing gold tonight even wants to consider that, but let's just be real. At some point, whether it's when they're holding a trophy here on this court or somewhere else, or they're staring at an upset, they're going to have to deal with the reality that Kevin Durant is going to be a free agent, and the entire league is waiting for it. The Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, they're all sitting there on the edge of their seat rooting for the Rockets tonight. If you think it's any other way, you don't know what's going on. I will get you out of here on this one. We know that you had a ticket for Mike Fires' no-hitter last night. That must have been a night you'll remember for the rest of your life, right? Well, Tony, you can appreciate this. Um, I was tired. I flew in late. Um, or I didn't get much sleep from the night before. I don't think Wilbon slept at all. I was with Wilbon yesterday I afternoon. Didn't. He was barely awake. Um, true. I don't think I would have stayed. Even if I had gone to the game with a guy with a six ERA who couldn't break a pane of glass, I would have said in the fourth or fifth inning, I can't stay, especially because they had a, a delay because of the lighting. So I actually have a clear conscience of it because I know I never would have made the end of it. So you didn't even show up for pitch one? No, but when I saw there was a lighting delay, I said, boy, was I smart not to go to that game when I went to bed. I woke up to a text (laughs) from Wilbon saying, I can't believe you got to see a (laughs) no-hitter. Good job. I was was so excited for him last night. I was. (laughs) Only 131 pitches, too. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Let's take one last break, but still to come, Tony Romo tees off tomorrow in a PGA Tour event. Does he have any real hope of making the cut? And have the Nuggets established that they're better than the Blazers? Or did they just have a great night last night? I think I would have gone to see that that game. No, you wouldn't, because the game didn't start till after 9. You weren't going anywhere. What I mean if I lived out there. It's brought to you by Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Rated PG. In theaters tomorrow. And new Coppertone Sport Clear. Clear. Cool. Protected. Happy time, people. Happy 60th birthday, Ronnie Lott. The Hall of Fame safety for the San Francisco 49ers started out as a running back at USC. John Robinson had another running back, Marcus Allen, and Robinson said, I need a running back and I need a safety. He put both of them out on the field and Ronnie Lott tackled better than Marcus Allen. Since they're both in the Hall of Fame, that seems to have worked out. You know what hasn't worked out? Football has no more Ronnie Lotts. Ronnie Lotts like the last truly great hard-hitting safety, and the league is not better off for it. Happy anniversary, Willis Reed. On this day 49 years ago, May 8th, 1970, the captain, number 19, came out onto the Madison Square Garden floor with a severely bruised thigh and in his first two shots against Will Chamberlain and the Los Angeles Lakers. And the adrenaline rush from that for every person in the stands, like me, and every Knicks player on the court was enough to propel the Knicks over the Lakers and give the Knicks the first of only two NBA championships ever. Yeah, you gracious New Yorkers, don't ever mention the fact that Walt Clyde Frazier had 39 and 16. He was good. Happy trails to the Dallas Stars. 
St. Louis native Pat Maroon beat Ben Bishop for a goal in the second overtime to lift the Blues to the Western Conference Finals and eliminate the Stars. Bishop had stopped 52 of 53 shots up to that rate. Wilbon, you weakly refused to make a pick on this game. I boldly took the Blues. Redeem yourself and pick a winner in tonight's Game 7, Avalanche at Sharks. I'm going to take the Avalanche on the road. I wasn't weak. I hate those teams. Those are the teams that are rivals with my team. I wanted them weak. both to lose. Weak. So I'm taking the avalanche on the road. That was truly weak. It was a push. It was, it was yeah, awful. Yeah, Let's go yeah. to the big finish. The Let's Nuggets blew out the Blazers last night. What did you notice? Well, Tony, I noticed that Portland, who I, I love the Trailblazers, they look tired. I mean, a four-overtime game seems to have had an effect. The previous series, an effect. It's just a lot. It looked weary to me. I hope I'm wrong. The Celtics try to stay alive tonight in Milwaukee. You like the chances for Boston? No, I, I don't. I mean, they could win. Certainly, they've got talent. I, I think they're not as good as the other team, despite the presence of the basketball genius, Kyrie Irving. Paul George had rotator cuff surgery. Russell Westbrook had ligaments repaired in a finger. What does that tell you? That's a lot of wear and tear, Tony. And, and you hope that they recover fully from that, because those are great players, and they have a great team that we like to see in the postseason. John Daly's been approved to use a cart at the PGA Championship because of his arthritis. You okay with that? It's not like Casey Martin, who had a congenital disease. I mean, his leg isn't, if he, can't, if he can't play walking, I'm not sure about this. Last one, Tony Romo plays the Byron Nelson starting tomorrow. You think he'll make the cut? No, 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 no. Accomplished pros are going to miss the cut. Tony knows how difficult this is, Tony Romo. I'm rooting for him, but I eh, can't see that. Out of time. Try to be better the next time. I'm Tony Kornheiser.